Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, let's get this going. Sponsor mentions. Let's focus on a cycling candy. Cycling candy? Yeah, cycling candy for our sponsor mentions. I couldn't even read what I wrote myself. Scratch Labs, everybody. That's right. Great tasting drinks, high carb options, energy chews that taste like candy, and even cookie mix for you to enjoy. Scratch has it all. Won't give you the sugar rush that every kid is likely to experience in about the next hour. Click the link <laughs> at Pack Filler and start your journey to perfect hydration. Next stop, Untapped Maple People. Finest fuel from pure Vermont maple syrup. Small enough packets to actually hand out at Halloween if you were into that sort of thing. The kids would probably give you a pretty weird look. Um, however, it would power them through the night with great tasting, easily digestible, <laughs> quick calories for the whole trick-or-treating journey or on your long bike rides. Again, use the link once again at Pack Filler. Finally, athletic brewing people. Yeah, mom and dad need proper road soda to follow the kids out there in their trick-or-treating rounds. Skip the booze because it's fattening and very likely illegal, depending upon your community guidelines. Grab a pack, a pack filler can koozie and an athletic of your choice. So many to choose from. Athletic Brewing Company. And I do want to mention a... It's not technically a sponsor, but a good friend of mine, uh, well, a friend who I've never met, one of those online friends, uh, Lance Hamilton with Emotive Auto Audio Agency. He is the original composer of the theme that I just start right now, and he is also writing us all types of new music, and uh, it's it's going to be coming over the next couple weeks, so uh, big thanks to Lance and Emotive Audio Agency. You can check them out. There's a link on Packfiller for that one. Cool. I yeah, did, I did not know that. You didn't know that. It sounds quiet in here because yeah. there's none of those. Well, no Sam. Yeah. 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 Bitch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, hey, everybody. I turned off the porch light. No disruptions from the studio door of kids having their nights ruined because mom told them to put a jacket over their awesome costume. Did you ever have that? Mom told you to put a jacket on to cover up your cool costume? I, I quit oh, trick-or-treating when I was in third grade. Sorry. What? Yes. I, I was not a trick-or-treater. I, I hated it. You so, hated it? Yeah, I hated Well, I'm, I'm not a big fan of Halloween anyway, but yeah. people like it, so... Anyway. Learn something new every day. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. Welcome to the full-size candy bars of cycling podcast. Welcome to the Pack Filler Old Man Edition. I'm Pat Bulger, and we're a few riders down. Tonight is a two-man breakaway. Let's see if we have enough fuel in the tank to stay away. With me tonight is the guy who doesn't have to dress up because he has mastered the art of the old retro grouchy roadie, <laughs> Mr. Paul Maine. How are you, man? Do, doing all right. Yeah, yeah. 
We have a quick prologue question tonight, uh-huh. but it is two questions. So and now that it's I know two part question, it's a two parter. Yeah, okay. now that I know you didn't actually uh, trick or treat, it's going to really make it very well, interesting. I mean, I can I can wax back. Yeah, you know, third grade, third grade, second grade. Shit. I can tell you what I wore in those two. Well, there we go. What yeah. was your number one? What was your favorite costume as a kid? And number two, what was your favorite candy to collect? Remember all the fears we had of razor blades in our candy? Yeah. None of that shit ever came true. Or the lady who gave you a, a half a banana that she cut with a knife. Did you ever get a banana? Oh, fuck no. Yeah. Really? Maybe that's why I didn't like trick-or-treating. God. My I got parents, half bananas and, and banged up bruised apples. My parents, well, my dad and my stepmom, I guess like two years ago, were giving out fucking toothbrushes. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, that's bad. We had a dental hygienist. Uh, at our old house at 902 yeah. is my wife and I re- for that. They would hand out candy and toothbrushes and a little tube of toothpaste. But at least there's candy involved. Yeah. Not just a little toothpaste and It was toothbrush. dentine. No, oh. I was try- trident or whatever. <laughs> you just <laughs> Can't even brush your you teeth and gum. shit out of yourself. Yeah. So your favorite costume and your favorite candy. You can even say your favorite candy now if you want, but, you know. I, I think we've done that. I like dark chocolate even as a kid. Mm. Um, so just like little 73% up. Uh, yeah. So th- you would only get like the special dark because, you know, Hershey's had their, yeah. they had the milk chocolate. Then they had the Mr. Good bar. What yeah. was the other one? But they had the special Crackle, dark. I think. Was Crackle, Crackle, yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And then they had, then they had the uh, special, special dark. dark. And yeah. that's what I went after. And I did like black licorice. Anything that came in black licorice. Holy shit. I shouldn't say black licorice. How about just licorice? Because that's yeah, the only because that's the licorice <laughs> the only, flavor. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That, okay. Wow. Yeah. And, and what was costumes, the costumes? Probably the most memorable was I was in second grade, and I dressed up as a lumberjack. Um, <laughs> you know, Paul and, uh, Bunyan. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. See Paul. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I got see, the there. That's good. And my mom put. Like Vaseline on my face and then coffee grounds for stubble. Oh, my God. And I could smell that coffee the whole time. I thought, I can't wait till I start drinking this because it <laughs> smells like heaven. But it's probably Folgers. Dark chocolate, licorice, and coffee. Yeah. You got started early. <laughs> yes, and then I you did. were just like going, I'm not going to trick-or-treat me this year, Mom. I'm just going to yeah, have third, an espresso. Third grade, I was, I was Spider-Man, and I did not like that. Because <laughs> the that mask? Was yeah, I think it, I think I came with a mask. You know, those ones, the little hard plastic ones that you had sure. with elastic on the, and everybody would snap it in the back of your head. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then the tiniest little mouth hole. Yeah, like, you you couldn't help putting <laughs> your, and it smelled like spit by the end yeah, of the night. It's <laughs> fucking it was, terrible. <laughs> and you know it was toxic plastic. Yeah, it was. It was just yeah. you know, everybody's so worried about the the BPE in their water bottles. I'm like, going, we ingested it. We yeah. drank out of the. And hose, we're fine, man. aren't we? Here? <laughs> Thanks, good. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, just two of us tonight. Jackson's likely trick-or-treating because he's young. Sam is likely scaring kids at random places in the neighborhood because he's an <laughs> asshole. And Dave is completely probably unaware of the fact that it's Halloween at all. He's sleeping. <laughs> or he thinks it's like September 12th. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Me, I'm the guy who firmly believes that if you're old enough to drive yourself to the best trick-or-treating neighborhoods, you are too old to trick-or-treat. Yeah. That's my view. Mm-hmm. I'm sticking to it. And I'm old. Egg my house. Um, the best costume I had as a kid, I I held on to it for a while. I, I, I and I'm gonna actually say that the best costume I had, I was in college. Really? 
<laughs> I didn't go trick or treating. Don't get me wrong. We uh, went to parties, you know, yeah, house parties. Uh, yeah, at that point. I created an excuse to drink too much beer and act like a total dipshit. Um, and my character's name was Super Bulge. <laughs> oh shit! And it's just basically when you see little kids dress up as superheroes, you know, they put mm-hmm. the towel around their neck and you know, draw on a shirt. That's what I did. I just ran around like that, like a fucking idiot. Um, and I was a dumbass, and and I don't know why, but that one got. Huh. Hilarious, especially when you had a you know a drunk college student oh, going yeah. all around campus going, "I'm Superbowl. <laughs> Where are you? I'm a hero." And so I don't know why, but uh, my candy by far was the and still is. I don't know why. I love dark chocolate. Don't get me wrong. The flavored Tootsie Rolls, flavored ones. Yeah, they're like lemon, they're all a lime, or or uh, there's a vanilla. Oh, no. it's, it's basically like eating if you put a, a flavored chapstick in the fridge <laughs> and you took it out and you just ate it. That's you got to cut the little it. lines on it, yeah. right? <laughs> it's basically it. They're, they're really kind of nasty, especially if you eat enough. It's just like you ate a candle. Do they make the big Tootsie Rolls that look like a turd? Yeah, they still make yeah. those. Yeah, wow. well, not the huge ones. Now they're yeah. they're just fun. Si- I think they're just regular packets, yeah, but they're still about you know size of your thumb. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just. I remember a guy at a liquor store told my told Jackson once that they'd help him whistle, which was really creepy if you think about it. But, <laughs> but I remember he ate the Tootsie Roll and he went, "Oh my God, Dad, he's right." Huh. There's a guy behind the counter. Yeah, he's a little kid, and I got him in a liquor store. He make him put poopy pants in his in his pocket. In his pocket. Yeah. yeah. What yeah. kind of father are you? Hey, I tell you? <laughs> What's going on here? Speaking, my wife and I, we went went to dinner before we got here, before we even saw our grandkids. Yeah. But um, we were talking about, we kind of forgot that there, we used to hide out at Benedito's yeah. and not hound out candy. This yeah. is like the first time we're down in our condo. And so uh, we forgot about it being Halloween and we go to this <laughs> restaurant and everybody's dressed up. Oh, yeah, it's Halloween. Oh, shit. But I said, this is the best one I saw. There was a restaurant that actually made... Um, what's his name? Something Frere, Guy Frere, Guy Fieri, Fieri. Yeah, that, that guy. Yeah, that dives du- dungeons or whatever. D- dungeons, <laughs> dri- yeah, diners, drives and dad, uh, dives and dash. And yeah, 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 yeah. So they did an episode down at Peekaboo's, which yeah. is no longer here, but it, it's, it was a great little place. And we went there, um, and one of the waitresses had this T-shirt. She just it said "Go Ceiling." I'm like, I don't get it. Ceiling, like, yeah, yeah. And I'm go. I'm sorry, I gotta ask. I'm I'm a ceiling fan. Oh, go ceiling. <laughs> that's good. I liked it a that's lot. That's really good. Yeah. Holy shit, that's really good. One year, Michelle, um, when she couldn't come up with something, she wore a sweatshirt, like a just a pullover sweatshirt, not with a hoodie, and she just glued hot glued cotton balls to it. Uh-huh. And she walked around with a bottle of a spray bottle of water, and she was cloudy with a chance of rain. <laughs> Somebody like, did ask him, and she just spray him in the face. Yeah, I'm cloudy awesome. with a chance of rain. And uh-huh. I was like, God, that's nice. That's yeah. really good. Those are good ones. Yeah. Yes. Um, and we tonight, you won't. I was when I said in the opening, you won't hear anything here. Our dogs go too nuts, uh, especially Bender. The he just if somebody comes to the door, he freaks out and he tries to get to him, tries to get out. And so we just uh, over the past years have just gone, we can't do this anymore. Just screw it. You know, we're going to be we're going to turn off our lights. Somebody's going to egg our house. Fuck Dope it. the dogs. 
Yeah, we should dope the dogs, but no. It's uh, so we're just like she's upstairs, just sitting in the dark, basically. <laughs> nice. Um, how's your training going? We got to talk about cycling, uh, and I, you can tell how mine is because I started with that tone. Yeah, I I uh, did a <clears throat> I did a indoor ride. It must have been Sunday. Yeah, yeah it was Sunday, um, and I started. It, it was my wife sleeping up. We're in that loft. Yeah, yeah. So I thought. Because that's some of the reason I bought the core. It's a lot quieter than the, the snap. Yeah. And uh, so I thought, all right, I'm just going to have something. I'm just going to sit some time here and, and wait for it. I say, knock that shit off. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and, uh, but she never did. And so what what I did is the, uh, I think it's it's on systems, of course. But yeah. It's the um, Sunday in Hell. Oh yeah, it's, the it's movie. Just, yeah, yeah, the movie. It's and you low watch it. Yeah, and, it's yeah. just like zone two. Yeah, and so that's all you do, and and for an hour and forty five minutes, I just sat there, and she never heard it once. So no shit. Mm-hmm. So so you're yeah, telling I did me that. there's a chance. Yeah, I can actually work out while she. That was my biggest fear is that yeah, I'm screwed. And, is she know. a naturally light sleeper? Absolutely. Oh, that's the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Almost. But I create white noise. I've got two fans going. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know. I have that. I have a. I can't say the name. It's the Amazon-based device mm-hmm. um, next to my bed, and there are nights when I just need a little white noise, and so I'll tell her to turn it on and say, "Play brown noise." And brown go, noise. Brown noise. What's the difference between that and white noise? Brown is a little deeper, a little more bass. There are oh. different. Every shade of color cool. is a different tone. Yeah. So maybe I've got blue noise. Yeah. 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 See, it's it's yeah. yeah it's I don't know because it's it's a fan hum that yeah. wouldn't be white, would it? I don't know. I What's don't the ant rate? So I Alexa talking about play brown noise. It's like wind. Yeah. Alexa, play Blue Noise, if there is. Deep Blue Noise by Relaxing Noises. Oh, no. It's music. I know. That's a little higher. Yeah. That's more like a fan. Yeah. So that's what she's... Alexa, stop. So, yeah, that's what I do when I need to to sleep. I should have actually ran that. I should have switched cameras. Jackson's not here to switch cameras. Oh. So it was on you the whole time. But, yeah, no, I use that all the time, and it's great. And so you could probably do, like, if if you have loud enough, you could do, like, an interval workout or something. There Uh, you go. Yeah. Um, My, I think I've hit a wall already. Really? (laughs) (laughs) It's November 1st. I did three rides on the bike this week. I was supposed to do some some uh strength training and i don't know why every strength training morning the alarm went off at five and i'm just like nope i'm sleeping for another hour and um i'm already dark outside i think it's that Mm -hmm. i think it's because it's dark outside because it's colder outside and you wake up and it's just like oh god it's just you know and i'm in my brain i'm thinking well it's only october slash november i really don't have to panic about this stuff until later in the year and and those kinds of things, and so I it, oh, I did. I will admit. I mean, I did two interval rides throughout the week, and then Sunday, kind of like you, I did, I did two hours. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just I had to I had to do I had to watch a a musical performance because I'm thinking of doing it, staging it for my for the show here at the school I teach at, 
And so I watched the show and it was like an hour and 49 minutes. And so I was like, I'll just watch the show. And, and on the other screen, I put it on chasing cartoons uh-huh. and just rode, you know, I kind of, kind of zone two. occasionally, mm-hmm. you know, when I'd hit a hill, I'd go a little harder or something like that. But I just did that. And it wasn't a bad way to pass the time. Yeah. But I don't know. I, 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 I'm, I'm struggling. Well, I'm are, already are you struggling. on this? Do you have a program with system? Are mm-hmm. you following it? I do, and and the plan for the day was just to do two hours of regular, you know, steady state mm-hmm. zone two, uh, endurance they call it, you know, two hours endurance. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, but instead of just a video with no, I mean, no video, it was just, uh, you know, what they say. It's like we just give you the stats, you hold this number, but there's no accompanying video for that workout. Mm-hmm. They were like, so I was like, well, I'll just go over to Zwift and, yeah. and ride Zwift, and you know, at least have some tempo or some terrain changes rather than just sticking it at a specific number in zone two and going the whole time. So yeah. I don't know. Um, is it, what do you think? Is it too early to worry about this or, we, or, or are we, are we at the age where we can't stop? Yeah, we can't stop. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I started my system today and it was just the, the very first like program one that they set up and it was yeah it was yoga for for boneheads or something oh, like that God, yeah so yeah. i did that and and that was fairly easy but i i forgot how tight i got and yeah. then i did an extra one to open up my hips and then tomorrow i have grandkids and stuff so it's like i get home from work and and i look the the ride itself is yeah. is like almost an hour long yeah and i'm like how am i going to squeeze that in plus you know the grandkids get out of school and come to our place. Oh, they do. Yeah. Okay, and then then they go home around <laughs> almost seven o'clock. So and that's you know, dinner time, and we already ate. Oh, we always ate, eat okay. with the kids. So, oh, yeah, okay. And that's around five yeah. five thirty, and so you got a belly full of like cheap pizza. Yeah, and and I, uh, I once the first beer is poured, I'm not over. training. No, <laughs> yeah, no, because it's, it's like no, and and. <laughs> I, oh, so because I'm, I'm if you ever burp one up on a trainer, <laughs> oh, yeah. oh god! Oh, oh you yeah. should have been here for the beer mile, man. <laughs> I had like at least uh, some of those burps were at least a tablespoon. Is there any word from from your son? Uh, he's he's just finishing up the edit on uh, it now, so yeah, it yeah. should be posted. He told me last week that it was going to be up really soon. So good, good. Um, what's the longest you've ridden indoors? I think I did a two-hour one on rollers. On actual yeah. rollers, oh. so which is, at least you got a. I don't know. That wouldn't be bad, Miss. Maybe because you're focused more. Yeah, I just it was watching a movie that was two hours long, and you know, um, I think that was a year where it's like everything came together. Yeah. Nothing bothered me, and you know, we talked about with with Doctor David there about cramping. Yeah. I never had a cramp that whole year. I mean, I was just like. I could ride forever. I had speed. I had. I could climb. Yeah. But that was just, you know, that that one golden year. But that's why I could do it. Now, it's like the worst shape. The worst shape I'm in. My capacity to ride on indoor is shortened. Yeah. The better fitness, and it's like, ah, oh, this is not. It's only been an hour. You know. Now it's like it's only been five minutes. Oh, oh God. God. Yeah. I'm not gonna make it. It's yeah, physically I can do it. It's just the uh, just if I'm not if I don't have something to keep my brain going, or like I said earlier on an earlier show, I, where I'll do um, 
if I do a two hour ride, I'll get off every 30 minutes and, and I'm drinking the I'm drinking the pills. I get I get off the giggle. I dismount every 30 minutes and then would do like uh, squats or sit ups or something oh, like that. Man, you must have a greasy wet spot where you're Oh, on the floor. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Oh, That's man. what yoga mats are for. Yeah. yeah. But when you get off the bike, you have to take your shoes off and do what no. are you doing? If I'm doing like sit-ups or something like that. With the cleats on. Yeah. Fitball. Just put your feet up on a fitball and go. (laughs) Thanks for the sound effects. Yeah, no problem. This is a podcast. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, yeah, somebody's trained. Um, Are are you doing any, are you going to do any cross training? Because like your stair workouts or are you just, now that you live downtown, are you just going to go hurdle meth addicts? Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, poo. Move to the left. Poo. That's human. Yeah, it's human poop. <laughs> oh. So, you know, I, I actually got pretty good at dodging poo because where I lived before, it was turkey shit that was on yeah. the sidewalk. <laughs> and so I d- developed this natural skill, but now I'm dodg- dodging these yeah. human poos. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So no, no cross-training. I don't, I don't see. Possibly, I've mentioned before, maybe getting some running shoes, and there's that. It's about a two-and-a-half-mile loop yeah. down by the river. But I don't know what the conditions, and it'll have to take. I got to feel really good about myself to go out and run. Yeah, but it's, it, I I don't know. It's hard for me to indoor training's hard enough, but to put yeah. on running shoes and run. And I don't know about you, but my first run, if I go out and my first several runs are so, I get so stiff, my calf, oh, yeah. everything, oh. I, I, I'm hobbling like my legs are, yeah. like I have a two by four shoved up my ass for the next like three days. It's That's like, right. <laughs> yeah. A flight of stairs where you just, you it's just a flight of stairs when your legs are sore is like a controlled fall. Uh-huh. You just start at the top and go, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> by the time you get to the bottom, you just hope there's something to catch you. So yeah. uh, running, I'm not a, I'm not a fan. New, no, okay. Well, let's get to the news because we're going with this for the news now. I mm-hmm. guess you know. Speaking of Lance, I thanks, like buddy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's got more for us coming. He says, check the headlines, uh, shall we? That's what old people do. Let's watch the news. So here we go. First story. Wait, what? Wout, Wout Van Aert is expected to make. You ready for this? Make his Giro d'Italia debut. Debut, debut, debut in 2024, <laughs> forging, uh, foregoing the Tour de France instead to lead Jumbo Visma. Although it won't be Jumbo Visma, it'll be Jumbo uh, Visma, Visma Lisa oh, bike, Visma. Okay, Lisa bike at the Italian Grand Tour and then prepare for the Paris Olympic road race and time trial. The Dutch believe the team believes that Van Aert can t- take aim at the top five in the general classification what? next May, according to a report in La Gazzetta della Sport. The 2024 Costa Rosa includes 20 percent less climbing than in recent years, with the two time trial stages giving him a chance to potentially gain time on key rivals. Of the three tours, Van Aert has only raced the Tour de France, taking the race five times. No, taking on the race, whoops, five times during his career. The pervy pills is kicking in. He's set for change in 2024 with Giro on his list for the season, along with the Spring Classics, Paris Olympic Games, and the World Road Championships in Zurich. Uh, I'm trying to see if there's anything more. But it, as this is unofficial, this is just purely mostly spec, speculation. Uh, it hasn't been officially confirmed by his team yet. What do you think? Is is he a serious Grand Tour contender, or is this just, uh, huh? 
I think I I don't know. It'd be I mean, if there's a course that's gonna probably help him, I, I yeah, don't see him winning. Yeah, I I think he could be up there in GC in the top ten. Um, yeah, I I I know that the it sounded like the um, RCS was trying to set up a route that that brought in uh, you know Tade yeah Pugaccia, and so um, I it, think in, in doing so they brought. Wow, which is not a bad second. Yeah, yeah. But in my opinion, I mean, it, what you want people to watch, I'm going to watch anyway, but no, yeah. <laughs> I'm a Wild fan. I really am. Yeah, and it it's, so. it seems like a weird decision. It seems like something at formerly, will be formerly known as Yumbo Visma is like, well, we lost Primo, so, you know. But then the first thing that popped into my head was like, why aren't you declaring Sepkus as potential a a zero contender. I, it just seems like a weird yeah, call. Know. If if that is indeed the call they're choosing to make. Yeah, it's probably pretty early. They'll probably see how things go. Yeah. Um, what do you think it's going to do to his classics fitness? I mean, it, because I, I, you're training for something like that. I think like you that. could do... I, I think he can do both. Um, yeah, I don't know what his intentions are. I'm sure he could do high on the GC, but yeah. to, to win the GC... If that's his intention, he's going to have to lose some poundage. Yeah. And that would hurt his classic. So yeah. if that is really his goal, or whether to participate in the first Giro and just you know screw people over, <laughs> which he can. Yeah. <laughs> so just screw shit up yeah, and just have yeah, fun. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, who knows? I, I, I don't know about the marketing potential of professional cycling, but sometimes winning multiple stages – could be far more of a profitable endeavor than uh, third on the podium. Yeah, I mean, I keep thinking of, you know, Garrett Thomas had a had an amazing Giro, but in the record books he didn't win it, and so you know, or Remco in Spain, Remco had an he had that bad day, but then he went out and made headlines constantly. Mm-hmm. So I mean, maybe that's a tactic that could work yeah. with with that type of an idea, um, and. Somebody online, of course, posted that that Wout is is potentially bothered by the fact that Matthew Vanderpool is sweeping up the classics or something like that. But I'm like, I don't think the guy's scared I, I, no. of him. They've known each other for too long. They <laughs> yeah. they each know how each other tick. Yeah. But after being competitors this long, and I don't think there's an ounce of concern. Or, That's going on, predicated on that. Those two only race to beat the other guy. Yeah, yeah. I think both of them have their own agenda, and I heard you're probably going to cover it. No. But uh, Matthew Vanderpool is going to do more mountain bike races to the year. No, I'm I'm not going to report on that. But that <clears throat> yeah. Uh, so the the current reigning world championship champion is going to focus on mountain yeah, biking. Yeah, and his focus is, is the bullshit. Olympics. That's bullshit. So <laughs> I yeah. hate. I don't like that. That's I don't bullshit. like the guy anymore because yeah. he said that road cycling is overrated. Yeah, he's that's dead true. to me. He's dead. <laughs> well, screw him. So, with all the transfers beginning to solidify and the contracts being established, and there is a, uh, a almost a passing of a generation that is slowly starting to happen. We're seeing the 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 retirement of a lot of the a lot of the old guard, which I can't believe I'm saying because they're not really that old. But um, I've, I figured we get a chance to see who's holding on and the riders who are getting up there in years and see who is holding on and what we think 
um, they could maintain or maybe achieve within this next year. And you know, obviously, some of the names that are going to come up in this one. So in our list of seven riders, our first, obviously, at the top is Garrett Thomas, who has signed two more years with Ineos. Um, Garrett, I don't have his age listed here. I think he's... He's 37. 37. Yeah, yeah, I think 38, 37. And we, and we did mention this la uh, probably in one of our last shows. What would... You know, a Grand Tour very likely might be out of the question for him just because of the level of, of where everything's going. I mm -hmm. mean, unfortunately, the years aren't kind, even at 37. Um, but what would be good goals, in your opinion, for, for somebody like Garrett, other than just being a mentor and... You know, yeah, I I don't I don't know I I know he likes the classics. He's won E three, um, and he does well on those. But I don't think that's why they they contracted him out. Yeah, they they the Grand Tours is what they're after. Um, so I, I I've always questioned that. Like uh, back talking about being old, Greg LeMond, when he was, <laughs> you know, in the 90s, everybody's yeah. like, why don't you start doing classics? Because he's done well in the classics, yeah. but he focused, he goes, I don't get paid to win classics. I get no. paid to win the Tour de France. Yeah. So I think there's some of that going on possibly with Garrett, but I don't, I, gosh, I don't know. I mean, maybe he's, his goal is to win another, you know, Grand Tour. I, I don't know what his agenda, whether he's going to be there for the Tour or whether for... The tour and the I mean the the Vuelta or what? I don't yeah, know. I I don't know if I see uh, definitely not a big three weeker. Um, I don't know if I see any classics, but I would love to see something along the realm of a tour Switzerland. A yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'd I'd love to see him go out with something good, something something that he could really, you know, kind of wrap his hands around and, and call it a career with. Because I'm, I'm going to push cool pause on. What are your opinions of Tour Switzerland, um, you know? The uh, one-weekers? Yeah, the one-weekers. Toreno-Adriatico. Yeah, uh, and stuff like nice. that. I like them. I, I've, uh, they're, they're fun to watch. But yeah. Do you ever, when you think about somebody, you're like, hey, that guy's really good. He won Perry Nice twice. Does it ever come to, to come to mind? What immediately pops into my head is Sean Kelly winning Maybe it seven, seven times. Yeah, um, was it in a row? Six in a row? I, seven. I don't remember. I, yeah. It might have been seven in a row. Um, but I would, yeah. I I and I think I think there are writers throughout history who could have done, who could have had really good careers at those one week races. Remco's one of them. He's, Remco, he's, he's he can prove it. I mean, he's he can do it one week. Yeah, we I, haven't seen it. A grand tour yet. I think Bobby Julich well, no, would have been really time, good at it. But I think Bobby would have had a really good one week career. Yeah. And I think there are a lot of riders over the years. Michael Rogers. But is that prestigious enough? I mean, classics yeah. are. It doesn't have the same. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. You're right. Shit. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. You know, and, and I guess teams want more than Toronto Adriaticos mm -hmm. and men, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I guess that's a hard one. Yeah. Next writer, Mark Cavendish. Uh, Sean Kelly recently stated it, um, in an interview that his one more year concept is likely not a good idea. Um, he said along the lines of the commitment, along the training, along the fact that um, sprinting is a, is a young man's game, a young person's game. 
and that he he doesn't know if Mark has it in the tank to achieve something like that. You know, I'm paraphrasing a little bit for Sean there, but um, what do you think? I think he can do well. I don't think this tour's this year's no. tour's cut out, and he even no said chance. that's the yeah. hardest tour he's ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't. You know. Yeah. What What do you do? I mean, he's gonna he's gonna have to hang on because there's mountains early. Um, he's got to make his time cut. He's gonna. Was it? I think six stages before a sprint. Maybe it's yeah. five stages before. No, not. Yeah, something like that before you. The sprinters could actually a true sprinting yeah. stage. Part of me is under the the. Uh, I'm split on the on the entire idea. Is that number one? You've tied. You have the record with arguably the greatest cyclist ever to straddle mm-hmm. a tattoo. Not arguably, very likely. Mm-hmm. I understand the desire to achieve this to to see if you can do it. You know, to say, hey, let's just give it one more shot. Um, but I think regardless, he should walk away with his, with his head held high. Um, I don't think they're the same record. I don't think a sprinter and a guy who won the tour five times are this. It, 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 you're comparing it to apple, apples and oranges, yeah. I think, in terms of stages and the style of racing. But stage wins are stage wins. So part of me is like, go for it, dude. Let's see what happens. Part of me would be a little bummed if he broke it because... It's apples and oranges. Yeah, I, I battled that with that myself, and I was sitting there thinking, but I know, and you know, down deep that Merck's won time trials, mountain stages, yeah, yeah. sprints. I mean, he's won every type of of stage, so that that would be in the back of my head. Yeah. And still, what a what an amazing uh, was it thirty six? Yeah. No, what's 35. the Thirty five. Thirty five. They're at thirty five, yeah, but thirty six. Stage, I mean, tour stages in that's your career, amazing. whether it's sprint, time trials, or whatever. Yeah, that's still an amazing feat. Yeah. So. All right, next rider, and these some of these are going to go pretty quick. Chris Froome, anything at all for him other than photo ops and TikTok videos? <laughs> no, that's about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and backpedaling on disc brakes. Yeah, and yeah. yeah. Okay, I agree. Yeah. Uh, Nairo Quintana, at the age of thirty-three has signed a one-year contract with Movistar. Uh, hopefully he knows that Tramadol is really now officially a no-no. I mean, it is has it, now it has been banned by um, WADA. Mm-hmm. So it's like a don't, don't, even, don't even look at the bottle. <laughs> yeah. It's got to be at least a kilometer away yeah, from exactly. you. Exactly. It's like, it's like <laughs> making a proper even. martini. That's right. Shake the gin and look at the unopened bottle. There you go. Um so uh, a one-year deal with Movistar. Are we going to see anything out of Nairo? Well, Movistar has has you know very Enrique little to Ma- lose. Moss. Oh yeah, yeah, that's about <laughs> it. And then for stage win, you know what? Do you, what the heck? Yeah, you know, um, the guy's looking for a job. You got an opening. I mean, uh, uh, Mateo uh, Jorgensen is left. Yeah, so there's an opening for a stage. There is. So, and they probably got him a. A bargain, a bargain price, yeah, yeah. It's either that or you know go into the hospitality business, yeah. which is what he was doing. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Rui Costa is um, former world champion, going from Intermarche to Edge EF first. Yeah, um, at the age of thirty-seven, he's crafty. I mean, he late in the season, yeah, he certainly showed. I, I'm not, I'm not a fan of his style of racing. Yeah, 
he's, he's a sit-in. He is kind yeah, of a negative yeah, racer, it seems yes. like, yeah. Um, but I think, again, problem probably was a you know bargain basement purchase. Might have been, yeah. yeah. And we know that uh, Vodders is pretty, pretty penny pinching with his money. So, yeah. and he doesn't have a lot of it. So, I mean, he's doing the best with what he's got. Uh, Michael Morkov, uh, we all know, thirty-eight years old to Astana. Um, I, and I, let's all be honest, he's got one job and one job only, and that's yeah. getting Mark across the line. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And you couldn't get a better guy. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. He's. St- hey, just getting to that final K and saying mm-hmm. it becomes the tactical mind more maybe than the horsepower. I don't know. Yeah, I think so. A little I, bit of both. But and uh, remember, Mark Renshaw was yeah. was uh, Cavendish's leadout guy, and Mark said, you know, a good leadout guy is all you do is just look at his back wheel and you just have a hundred percent trust. You need that type of guy. For, yeah. When he was successful, Renshaw was his man. Yeah. I mean, you know, he had success outside of Renshaw being his lead out, but his pinnacle was there. And he yeah. said, yeah, I just put the blinders on. And he just like, next thing you know, it's time to go, and I just punch it. Yeah. It gets me to 200 meters, and I it, just light it up. And Markov's one of the best. And he and, does the and, same thing. Yeah, and they did the, They did work together at Sudal Quickstep, yeah. too. So, yeah, yeah. there's, and, a, and I there's think, a relationship. Didn't they do some track work together? Cause Markov, uh, yes. Mm-hmm. yes. So they, they know each yeah. other yeah. pretty well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, and last but definitely not least, Mariana Voss, thirty six years old. That's All getting the power up there. To her. Yeah. yeah, she can. Just I think keep she's going. got more in her. I yeah. think she's got a lot more in her. So. I think I think uh, uh, women have a tendency to have a longer career, not just in cycling, but runners too. I mean, you start looking at some of these runners; they really? seem to really kind of uh, produce. And Jenny Longo is a cyclist. I mean, she yeah. was cranking it out. Yeah, kinda. So, Kind of, yeah. She had some help. <laughs> she had some asterisks <laughs> next yeah. to her yeah. name. Yeah. But, you know, hey, so do a lot of people. But you still got to turn those styles. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. All right, let's 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 jump into the topic for tonight. And and because it's just the two of us old farts sitting here, I want to talk then versus now. I want to talk about what worked, what didn't, what works, what doesn't. Paul and I have been at this for a freaking long time. What year did you start? Uh, I bought my first... Like true, true road bike with the intention to ride was in 1985. Okay, to race. I, okay, that was the race. I was two years prior to that. Mm-hmm. I was 83. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it might have been late of 82, but I'm going to stick with 83. People our age have usually resigned to uh, golf or pickleball by now. Yeah. Um, and so just to begin, what was it about the sport that enticed you that brought you in? What because you didn't? I mean. You didn't necessarily have. I mean, my 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 parents were the ones who were like, your ski coach says you got to lose some weight, so we're going to get you into cycling. Um, my stepmom had done a good deal of touring and stuff like that, and so that's how I, we kind of fell into it. And of course, my dad knew Gina Lasecki, who took me out for a thirty mile ride, my first ride, and you know, basically made me cry. <laughs> Asshole! If you got, if you know Gino, you know that that's something he enjoyed. Yeah. What got me into it was, I mean, I was a little kid. I was just crazy. I mean, I was, at three years old, I was already on two wheels. I didn't even, I had training yeah. wheels for like maybe two seconds to take it off. And you could just couldn't peel me off of it. And I always had probably the fervor for riding. And I always didn't, you know, where I grew up and everything, you know, I never even, I knew people race bikes. 
but I, there was no resources. Yeah, yeah. You know, this is like late sixties, early seventies, and um, you know, of course, when you get older, there, I had a neighbor when I was probably in fifth grade, and he had the bicycle guide. Um, it was like a, you know, a list of all the bikes. Okay. You know. That you could buy. And there was one I couldn't have pronounced. It started with a C. It was Italian and had all these Italian parts, which later I figured out it was a Clonago with Campanolo. Oh, okay. You know. Oh, yeah. And and, and it was like $500. That was like the most expensive bike. <laughs> I'm like, holy cow. I got to have one of those. Someday, I can't imagine how fast this thing was. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, I, I played sports just, I've always been that way. Nobody in my family were sports-minded. I mean, a little brother played football and wrestled, um, but I played football, basketball, baseball, and did everything. Yeah. And not until I was 200 pounds, extremely <laughs> drunk watching CBS um, sports, and they had the 1984, they had uh, the Perry Roubaix. Yeah. And I watched that, and I thought, oh, man. No shit. You that just found that randomly. Yeah. You know, I was probably drinking... Uh, you know the hair of the dog from the <laughs> night before, and ah. that came up, and and you know, of course, I was in college, so I had you know the caterator, so I was just like, this is awesome. I, I was, I talked to my older brother who had a, I don't know if you remember Miata bikes. Oh yeah, Miata, yeah, yeah, out of Japan, they were well made and everything, and he had it was a seven ten, and I'll never forget. <laughs> and I I said, can I take that thing for a ride? I mean, I was hooked. I yeah. just I. I and that's what started it. And then I realized it's so weird that you just kind of found it solo by mm-hmm. that, like that. It had no direction. Uh, I went out and bought the one model up for my brother. It was a nine twelve. It was twelve speed. <laughs> six, six in the back. Six rear. Yeah. 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 All right. And All it right. was a nineteen eighty four, and I bought it for four hundred and eighty two dollars. So was that what was the first like totally legit racing bike? Was that, it that one? I would say that one was because yeah. it was Shimano yeah. 600, which is equivalent sure. to El Tegra now. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I did my first, within six months, I did my first uh, Tuesday night series. Oh, shit. Wow. And that was a time okay. trial, which I still have the ribbon with your uh, sister's, sister's name writing on, yeah, on the back. Writing on it. Yeah. Um, mine was a Peugeot. And I PX10? wish. I don't. It was. Most of them were that just a white, mm-hmm. but mine was like a, a pale blue, uh, yeah, and yeah, I yeah. still want to find it. And it had orange bar tape to match mm-hmm. the orange decals on it. Mm-hmm. And I want I w- if I could find that bike today, I don't know why I would I would snatch it up in a minute. <laughs> Put it with the why. other fifty in there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because I just I had such memories of that, mm-hmm. and then I rode that for quite a while. That was my first big bike. Um, uh. What was the nicest bike you've had then, and how does it compare to back you? then? Yeah, back, throughout your life up until then, what, what before the one you're on now? Uh-huh. What was the nicest one you had, and how would you compare the two? I had, um, and there's there's a long story behind it, and I won't I won't torture you with that. Um, <laughs> I had a Dave Moulton Fuso. It was his production. Dave Moulton was yeah. from England. He actually used to produce the British team's bikes, and he moved to San Francisco. And he started producing custom bikes, and then he had a production line. So, yeah, and and we talked about it maybe last week, two weeks ago, when frames were one centimeter, yeah. increments, and he had it. And I still have a paper somewhere buried with all the stuff when I moved, 
of his geometry of all his bikes from 47 centimeter up to 65. Shit. One centimeter increments and uh, angles and yeah. base and all that. Um, I but, remember going from a 57 to a 58, and mm-hmm. that was a fit difference. Yeah. A centimeter. A centimeter. Instead of this bullshit now where it's small, medium, large, extra large. Yeah. And just put a big long stem or yeah. shorten the yeah. stem up and jack the seat or drop it down. Yeah. We had it better. So... Yeah, it was a Dave Moulton Fuso. Um, I started working at a bike shop, Two Wheel Trans at the time, so no longer around. Um, it was a top pro type uh, high end. Uh, the, the owner, Steve, uh, did the Olympic trials, worked with um, yeah. Jim Ingram of Campanola USA and then the 88 oh, Olympics, and, and he was involved. So I was, I was totally immersed in top line stuff. So my Fuso had Campy C record. Um, oh, okay. Number C. Okay, yeah. So they had little booties on the around the jockey wheels and stuff. <laughs> and uh, that was our first arrow type of cage, if you think about it. Yeah. I remember the C records. Oh, yeah. I did not have Delta brakes. Did not. I did for a little bit. I had a Pogliaghi. I had a Pogliaghi with that I bought from Mark. Uh, not Hudson, Mark. Uh, um, Todd Norton, Norton. um, who Uh, I bought from him. I traded him for a mountain bike, and it uh it was a Pogliaghi steel. Was it yellow? No, silver. That's right. And it had uh, Delta brakes on it. And um, they were cool looking, but they were heavy. Heavy. And they... They didn't if you think very well. No, that, yeah, that for all the, you <laughs> disc brake whiners right now, you should have ridden a bike with C records. You learn to brake early and just kind of grab them a little bit here and there, yeah. you know. Yeah. And yeah. if you had to, if you really had an emergency stop, you just found another way. Yeah, you, you just you swerved. Took it in the ditch. Yeah, yeah you yeah. swerved, <laughs> or you you hit the car, or you shoved some asshole Carry out a of pillow, the way. Throw it in yeah, front of exactly. you. Exactly. <laughs> but they they were better than than Medolo speed uh, speedo with the cork. Yeah. With the cork pads, yeah, yeah. So, Speedy for those of you listening to the show who don't know what the hell we're talking about, we are talking about the fact that that in some ways you have it better. But mm-hmm. bike changes over the years. Um, are there any are there any things that like? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Was, you know, we know that there are a lot that was worse then. For example, gearing. How did we make it up hills in a 42, uh, we, 21? We, we look like when we did that, we look like we're doing the disco dance. You know? Yeah, we're just, just swerving swing. back and forth. <laughs> 
<laughs> but you know what? And then and then I'll look at f- oh, classic photos I watched on GCN. They had a classic video of uh, Lavi Claire and pro cyclists back then had bigger upper bodies. They had yes, arms. They, they had muscles mm-hmm. to their arms because they had to wrestle the bike the bike yeah, up yeah. those hills in these lower cadences. And I, I, I'm I'm just assuming that's the cause for it. Yeah, I, I think. Plus, I think when people started finding out that. The lighter you are, the faster you're up a hill. Yeah, type of thing. But um, yeah, I don't. I yeah. I, I it was a different beast, without a doubt. Yeah, um, the materials. Um, if you if if steel was as light as carbon, now would you ride it? Um, <clears throat> I don't know. I I I do like the feel of steel, but uh, I mean carbon. You know, my BMC. I mean. People always talk about it's very compliant and blah blah blah, but that that oh, is probably shit. one of the most comfortable, the most stable descending bike. Yeah, uh, my Fusa was right there. That was nothing had touched that, and I had uh, two carbon bikes prior to, um, or after my my uh, Fuso, and but this BMC uh, T machine was to me it, it fits me well. Yeah, it handles well. To have a Steel bike do that. I don't know. Maybe that Fuso was pretty close to that, but boy, it was with race wheels. My it was like nineteen and a half pounds. Yeah. So as opposed to fourteen. Yeah. It would be so by, interesting yeah. to see what the steel technology is like out there now. You know, because it's all just artisan <clears throat> things. You know, I'm looking at you know, like Batiyin is now just mm-hmm. all they do is make custom one-off steel bikes. Um, but I I just don't. Yeah, it's not fair. It's, it's again comparing apples and oranges almost to that point. Yeah, I, I think. <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah. Um, I think uh, ride quality is what I'm really after. But outside of ride quality, um, I think weight is a big deal. Yeah, I know. It's huge. I've, I'm living that and, law. And it, it blew me away when when disc brakes came out and people were spending all this money for a 18 pound disc brake bike, and it's like oh, brake stops better. And I'm like. That's not when I'm racing. That's usually not bikes not made to stop. No, bikes made to I, I, if I'm stopping, I'm in a bad situation. <laughs> um, and I understand that in the bike industry, it's designed for the weekend warriors and not yeah. for people like you and I. So yeah, other things that keep popping into my head: um, the 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 year that down tube shifting went away to STI shifting. Um, which is what we all have now. If you don't know what STI is, that means you're young and it's just how you normally shift. We're using your brake levers. We had to take our hands off the bars Mm -hmm. and put them halfway, not half, maybe a third of the way down our down tube and adjust the levers. And if you were in between gears, you had to learn to finesse how to get your your actual shift lever perfectly into gear or other people would be yelling at you in the the Peloton. And I guess what... Grind me a pound. <laughs> Just, <she> gets, so, <laughs> in between gears. And that, I guess I think that is why our generation has such a hard time with things like disc brakes because they're so freaking noisy. And all the noises that these the a lot of these current bikes are making. Carbon carbon's the loudest material yeah, in the world. It is huge. huge you have a smallest problem in your bike and carbon it just rings out. It's mm-hmm. like the hills are alive with the sound of your bike. <laughs> and and I hate that. And and so I just grew up thinking that bikes are supposed to be completely silent if they're working properly. It is it, it 
yeah, I think that that's a point a lot of people don't realize. I mean, I mean you ride tubulars and stuff. There's a certain sound oh, to tubulars yeah. on pavement, and it's it is like sings like the angels. Yeah, they're singing or something like yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it, that, that was such a big change, and I was late to it. I remember because I I didn't have the money, so I rode down tube shifters for I mean into the nineties. Uh, well into the 90s because I just didn't have it. I didn't have the money to go out and shell out for for new gear. And I remember one time looking at my now wife saying, I'm getting my ass handed to me in crits because even just reaching down that you know short amount of time to reach down and shift, I'm, I'm losing one to two seconds of reaction time. And she's like, really? Really? You don't just think you could train harder? I'm like, no. I can't. <laughs> I want new stuff. But th- that's a good point. I mean, there's, you know, for me, I never went to S- S- uh, SIS or, or yeah. index shifting down oh, tube. Yeah. One, I, I was either. running Campy, yeah. and that was the worst index down tube shifting system. Talk about noise. Created. Every yeah. time you shifted, it, bam, it, it, crack, crack, yeah. crack in between gears. Yeah. yeah, it sounded like you were breaking your bike. So I was riding, I, I had Campy retro friction. There was Simplex that you know yeah. on down tube shifters, and they were like, they were sweet it's all i wrote quiet yeah yeah and and you I, I don't know about you but i never had a problem once i got retro friction like trying to hit that sweet spot so that it wasn't grinding no it, it was just i mean because it was so easy to move yeah the old shifters were a nylon basically friction that you had to tighten down a d-ring onto that yeah you know there and were so times it, i'd reach over cool. i'd reach over and have to tighten it a little yeah, bit of a yeah. screw you know just because so it was like oh i'm slipping gears the retro uh you know uh action type um shifting was great yeah but i was riding with a guy who's one of the first guys in town who had the new campy eight speed ergo levers <laughs> oh yeah 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 and we were climbing up this hill and i and i i thought i gotta shift to a lower gear i had to sit down yeah. Hit my lever, and he's standing. He goes click, and he gained a half a wheel. And yeah. I thought, that's it. That's a, that's a big, big deal. <laughs> at full attack. Yeah, that's, and that's a time, bike length. At least, yeah, a bike length. even in in a pack. Yeah. I mean, if we weren't going hard, but just a matter of me sitting down and shifting. Yeah. Took a fraction of a second, and he's in front. So what you've, in essence, I have to kind of like make up that little ground, right? Yeah. You do that not just in hills, like your sprints, crits. I mean, all we did in the crit is like, oh, shit, too big of a gear. You know, somebody crashes in front of you. You don't get to hit a button. No, you just you, grind you were, it you out. You grind it yeah, out. Yeah. Everybody's <laughs> like, oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're pooping out muscles the yeah, next you morning. Hear, so. You hear your knees three towns <laughs> yeah, yeah. away. Um, how about the changes? And, and this is I'm doing this on out of spite because Sam's not here. <laughs> Positioning. <laughs> He constantly gives you shit about the fact mm-hmm. that how you ride is so stretched out. Um, I remember we, I, it's just, it was you got your bike, it came home, you got maybe you got a fit positioning from a coach, and then you took your stem and you just dropped it all the way down. Yeah, how I'll go on mine, but how yeah. did you get fit? Um, we had an old Velo News copy of an article that Bernardino uh, described using his his fitting techniques, and we did have the. It's funny seeing guys like Sam using the plumb bob off your mm-hmm. knee in terms of fore aft. Um, we had we had the rule that if you are in the drops on a trainer or something, even riding, and you look straight down. 
and if your hub is if you can if your hub is in front of the stem if you're looking straight down and you see the hub in front of the stem if you can close off that hub by placing two fingers in front of your stem you're pretty close to where you need to be mm-hmm. uh, saddle height we always did the classic bring it down or you know pedal a little bit and then bring your foot exactly down to straight up and down and if you if you could if you could lock your knee out but it would shove the pedal forward you were pretty close there too yeah. that was how we did it all and we did we did that with every bike it was more of an eyeball kind of a thing yeah and i i didn't have anybody so mine yeah. was all reading and i got that the eddie b book yeah you know about racing and yeah. one of the things the fitting was figuring out uh ideally 90 your seat height should be at 90 97 96 percent of your leg extension oh wow and okay. there was i yeah. think if there was a formula somehow i i actually took the time to do that <laughs> and and mine was you know talking about your front hub what you would do is right on your hoods or your it was your drops yeah because our drops are deeper way deeper back then yeah and that's where you rode most of the time was in your drops yeah. the hoods weren't because we when we learned when we got bikes we had cables going over the top of your exactly hoods so you didn't put your hands there big old I mean, rabbit it was ears. like yeah, yeah you, you usually to, put them in the drops yeah you did that for climbing or you know or changing position yeah um, <clears throat> so <laughs> if you're down in your drops and you look down ideally a stem length was ideal when you couldn't see the hub yeah and that's after you're you on never the train. wanted it behind your bars if, if you yeah. if it was behind your bars you were you're, way too short. No, if it, if the hub is behind your bars, you're too f- stretched out. If it's in front, you're oh. too short. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 So okay, yeah. You're, you're looking, at, you needed your hands out a little it's bit. True. So. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's yeah. how I did it. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was just reading and reading books. And, yeah. And then looking in the mirror and then watching, you know, John Tesh produced Tour de France stuff. Yeah. Do you... Are are you finding yourself you're you still Sam would probably classify your position as still a little old school. Yeah. Um is that because it's what's always worked or is that because if you were to switch it would probably break your body? Yeah, that's funny cuz I was thinking about it on when I was on my trainer for, you know, this last weekend and it's like I don't I'm I'm writing when you're watching yourself on TV or whatever you're doing, you know, chasing you get yourself in a position you don't normally ride. Yeah. And this, I don't do this as a game. I don't get on these trainers as a game. I, I'm doing this to supplement actually riding on the road. Yeah. And so, therefore, I need to keep it as close to the road as possible. That means my position. I don't want the new um, Zwift trainer to have yeah. a little button to shift because no. I'm not going to have that on the road. No, I, I agree. You know, I, I understand agree. what it's for, but that's not for me. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so I'm thinking... How did I? Because I'm watching my power as a, I'm changing my position, watching the TV, and I'm more comfortable and, and it's easier for me in the position that I've developed. Probably because I developed, and, and <laughs> Sam will probably let me know. Yeah. That years and years of doing this, I'm more efficient this way, and, and I am naturally more limber person, so I can get down lower too. But I know that I can't crank out the watts that you guys do. I cannot. Every every trainer I've had any type of power, I even had somebody gave me a power tap wheel. Yeah, and my numbers are not good. Really? So, yeah. So you intentionally go stay that low for for those? Uh, yeah, and I don't think it's it's something that I had to do. I think because we didn't have all yeah. that equipment, right? And there's yeah. just something for me to survive. 
I found my way of getting a bridge in that gap. Yeah. I got down lower and I was able to bridge as opposed to Shit, being yeah. upright. You know, whatever is just kind of something organically came about. Yeah. Okay. Uh, racing styles. We have seen speeds go up. We've seen tactics change. We've seen teams change. Uh, what was the best? What was the worst? For example, um, I, I just there's some things that pop into my head in terms of this is pro, at the pro level. Uh, the marginal gains years. The Cipollini lead-out years, um, the doping years. Um, now we're seeing these young guys and their lack of respect. Whatever happened to the earning your leadership concept, which has disappeared. Um, and, of course, the, the Hino-style uh, patron of the Peloton. Um, you know, so of the years that you've experienced, what were some of the, the best and what were some of the worst and stuff like that? Man, I think... Um I think the best are the transition periods. Yeah. So we. Oh, had, really? Yeah, and I like I like because we had the dominance of so mo- most people would understand uh, based on time uh, <laughs> that uh, Sky Enios years that transition to the youth. Yeah. But I don't think that's going to last for a while because I think all of a sudden that those youths are still pushing. Up. These are unusual pack of. People and I don't think it's their their age so much as that we just came. We just got some mutants. Yeah, yeah, okay. and I think that's it. And I think listening to um, a podcast where they were talking about, um, and it was on Escape Collective, and they were talking to the um, uh, sports director of Yumbo Visma, and how they're they're coming about their training. Yeah. First of all, I know I'm faster with. With new equipment, yeah, that better than our steel bikes down to shifting, you know, there's there's a lot of advantage to the new stuff, but now these guys are getting to metabolic, you know, um, using metabolic testing and yeah, all that yeah. type of thing to because everybody recognizing that everybody's different. Now, getting back to my position, I don't think everybody would benefit what I benefit from my position. Yeah. And it's and we all look as humans. I think we have a tendency. To, they want that silver bullet. That hey, you know, that that Lance guy spins a lot. Yeah, well, it doesn't. Work everybody, for everybody changed their cadence yeah. immediately. After Whoever that. wins, that's what they're going to do. Marginal yeah. gains. Yeah, I'm going to spend all this money. I'm going to buy a Pinarello. Yeah, I'm going to do, and I'm going to win. And it it doesn't work for everybody. And and um, I remember the first when chain waxing came out. That was oh, yeah. that was that huge thing. Yeah. You know, everything's about a watt here and a watt there and all that sort sort of thing. I didn't like that 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 mentality. I mm-hmm. mean, because it just it became what you could spend money on. Yeah. And um, I I I miss kind of sometimes just the simplicity of just riding you know just just i miss the tactical element of it um the cipollini lead out years were awesome years but they do did become fairly formulaic you yeah. know where we didn't have a whole lot of that classic and, and it was very much like the like the Froome years or the lance years where it almost became a given thing you know you just see a team at the front busting balls and whittling it down and then taking the win and that was those were boring years to me I think, I think that that's getting back to my point. Is the, yeah. the transition is like how do you, even in in the local, cre- uh, you know, the U.S. Uh, crit scene. Yeah. How do you you battle Legion? Yeah. You start your own train next to them. 
And yeah. that was that came off of like when, in Cieco when they were doing that for Cipollini. Yeah. Is everybody else is like all of a sudden you don't sit behind them. You create your own. Yeah. You get next to them and that messes them up. Yeah. Because their rotation or however they're going to pull off, the wind's coming to the left. You start your train to the to the right of them. They can't pull off, right? Yeah. You know, it, that's that's when it gets exciting if there's like a dominant period, I yeah. think. So. Yeah. Um, and are, are we getting... Are we ever going to see the the patron of the Peloton anymore, or do you think that is just a a thing of the past? Where we had one rider who could, you know, Bernardi No could go to the front of the Peloton and say, "My guys are tired. Don't you dare attack until we get to the last fifty k of the stage." Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. It, it, it may come around. I think uh, Fabian Cancellara was was probably the last known yeah. one. I mean, he could say, you know, conditions are bad. You know, no one's riding. Really, we're rolling okay. in. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I think we're gonna we're gonna find somebody like that. I think eventually things yeah. do go in a cycle. Uh, let me see here. Uh, <laughs> fashion styles, man. We started with hairnets. Um, the helmet helmet revolution alone has gone miles. I'm still trying to find the perfect helmet for me. I haven't I haven't found it yet, and I've been looking for my entire life. Um, I I. I wrote an article just today for for Cycling Weekly talking about the fact that there were some helmets in the days that resembled a basically like a reflective salad bowl uh-huh. that you would just put on the top. Of and your you head. owned one? Yeah, uh, no, my first <laughs> helmet was. It was a Bell, mm-hmm. and it was terrible. And then um, I we went to the Broncalis, which was just a shield, oh. uh, a small layer of plastic with very very poor ventilation, mm-hmm. if any. It was a hockey helmet. Yeah. And then um, my dad bought the Bell V1 Pro that was a huge, thick version that tried to look like a hairnet. hairnet, yep. And then fortunately, I got involved with uh, Giro uh, as, a, as a, you know, on a prototype kind of mm-hmm. level and had those for a while with uh, the Lycra covers. And those were good. That yeah. was that started it all. In my it did. That, yeah. yeah, I called Giro the OG, OG of helmet design. Yeah. Um, and And... You know, you guys don't know how good you got it now. Yes, I have a constant sweat problem. And if somebody's found the perfect sweat solution without, I'm not wearing a fucking headband and I'm not wearing a stupid little Marco Pantani pirate hat on my head and I'm not wearing a cap. So tell me if you found that perfect one because I haven't found something that ventilates well. It just runs straight into my glasses. All my sweat does. Makes me mad. All these years, all this technology, and they still haven't figured that out. Uh, Kits. Did you ever ever have a wool jersey? Yes. Yeah, I had several. Really? Mm-hmm. Mine were my wool jerseys were primarily long sleeves. I had it one short. My original one was a green and black one made by Pace. I think it was. Okay. Do you remember Pace? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it only had two pockets. It was a race jersey. <laughs> um, and then I I bought uh, when when Bridgestone was kind of pushing, bucking the system yeah. back in the nineties when things started getting crazy. And they went bikes. retro, which is huge. hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. And I had, I had a wool, uh, believe it or not, a Belgian national team Jersey. It was nice. made out of wool. And so it had the Belgian colors and then it was all blue <laughs> and it was all wool long sleeve with Brazilian, um, nut. They used the shell of the nut. Uh, yeah, for buttons and it had buttons on the side. It was like a turtle. Oh my god! They were so cool, and uh, a moth got to it. Oh, that was Fuckers. one of the coolest jerseys I ever had. But 
Anyway. I, um, uh, uh, over time, I'm a skin suits with proper collars. I don't like exposing my collarbone these days. I, I, mm-hmm. I feel like weird in the new skin suits where it's got like a, a lower neck. neck. Yeah, yeah, I feel like it. I'm just like, <laughs> there might be some hair poking out. I don't want to do that. Um, does anything top the 1980s, 90s lobby, Claire? In, ter- in your opinion, as far as oh, it, man. pro team kits, they that was kind of I think some of their uniqueness to me was that nobody had even thought of something like no, that. The Mondrian, was, yeah, was, yeah. No. above and beyond. Yeah, uh, as in style, um, I like Fossil Botolo back in the nineties. Yeah, it was very simple, blue and gray and white. White, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then. It was uh, Super Conflicts in the 80s. Yeah. It was a green with a white panel Love across those two. Yeah. 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 I, I, yeah I, mean, I remember uh, Claude, Claude Cricadion with his Hitachi kit, which yeah. was bright orange, which was really an eye catcher. In fact, we designed a team kit very similar to it back in the day. Yeah. Yeah, where our beers are empty, so I can't say who, who came up behind the design of it. But uh, You that, want another? Yeah. <laughs> I, I do, okay. but I'm going to have to talk the whole time right. while you All reach right. over yeah. there and do that. Um, they were, you know, and uh, the Renault, the classic Renault kit, which was when I first got into the sport. And for those of you who are going, wow, these guys are old, uh, look up some of these old designs and stuff like that that they used to do back in the day. Um, because the styles, and in fact, those those pack filler mugs I made that are on the website, ching, um, are very much, that's more than enough, man. Um, are very much that that they're based off of those old retro jerseys, and they were just it was a beautiful thing back in the day. Well, I have something to say about that, and that is the cut of the jerseys. Yeah, you, do you remember oh. all of them? We used to have well, you, you had the jerseys. You would come down halfway down your butt if you had anything in your pockets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and even then, they were cut longer than now. They're up oh yeah, tight. yeah, yeah. They're yeah. really tight. Yeah, and and. G- Good race jersey. If you have pockets, you're. If you don't have open shoulders, which no, you probably don't, you I probably don't. struggle to get stuff I out of your pockets. Do to this day. Uh-huh. And if it's long into a ride, I reaching into a back pocket. Uh-huh. It's you hear noises coming from me. <laughs> Dad like, noises. Hey, I gotta get reach my own food. I'm gonna starve to death. If somebody calls me, I'm like, I can't leave a message. <laughs> yeah. Well, the other thing is short length. Yeah. So there, there was when I got into it, it was like, kind of where it's at now, and then it got Lower. really long, like almost like right above your knee. See, I like them long. Yeah. So if you look like an '87, you start looking at '87 Tour de France. You know, that was one yeah. of the great ones with Sean uh, Stephen Roach. Stephen Roach, yeah. Yeah, won that one. Hey, you interviewed See, him I way back in the day. Number five. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. And and then they started creeping up. And then I think it was probably about five years ago. I'm like, those are getting kind of short. Oh, and then now short they're starting shorts. to come back down. Yeah. It's it's like basketball shorts. Yeah. Remember when the days when basketball shorts were like these huge, like they were running up and down the court in like tents. Yeah. It was like <laughs> somebody's been shopping at the big and tall and like big and tall. Just put a belt in and cinch it up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, okay, moving on. Uh, real racing, like amateur racing. And these, this is going to sound like, I know this show sounds like a bunch of old guys longing for the old years, but we had races all the time, almost yeah. every weekend. And we talk about this on, this on the show. We had fields that were big. I mean, I, I remember going to Milwaukee and doing Super Week with fields over, over 200 riders. Mm-hmm. Um, 
races now are struggling to survive. Um, sending out messages of cancellation yeah. because their registration numbers are so low. On that on that note, how often did you pre-register as opposed to just going to the race and signing up? Back then? Yeah. You had to or you didn't race because there wasn't a slot. I mean, you had field sizes. Sure, sure. That's true. And, that's and true. When I got started, uh, Volunteer Park, my very first crit was Volunteer Park in 87, I think it was. I mean, I did road races mm-hmm. and time trials prior to that. So that was April of 80, 87, I think it was. Um there was two fields of Cat 4 at 75 people, Shit. and if you didn't register, you weren't getting in. So you couldn't walk you, up to the venue. That's 150 Cat 4s. Wow. And, you know, they you just raced two different races. And they had, you know, if you think the races started at 8 and didn't finish till like, 4, because yeah. there, was like, there was two Cat 3s, I think there was. Um, junior fields, too. If you didn't register, you weren't getting yeah. in. yeah. Our weeknight races would have 40, 50 juniors. Easy. Yeah. And and I just, you know, I, I we're waxing sentimental about this, but I just want the listener to know that this this was something that happened and it it needs to be something that could, p- could potentially happen again because we're losing. We're mm-hmm. we're missing out. The the sport is fading away into obscurity. And and that's what's that's what makes me sad. I mean, I you know, prizes. Every race gave away a bottle and or a T-shirt if you signed up for a race. If you pre-registered for a race, you'd get that. You know, and nowadays it's people are you know sad that they don't get a, a swag bag or something like that. But I mean, I remember I had, I still do, probably somewhere in this house. God knows, um, bottles from races, mm-hmm. and and it was it was just a cool thing, and it was what a great advertising concept for that race to get people to go. You know, hey, what's that one? Well, when is it? You know, and, and they go out. Um, uh, uh, preems and crits. Massive. Cash, where people pass around the hat. You know, yeah. stuff like that. In some of the Crowd bigger races. Crowd preems would be yeah. 100 plus. Yeah. For like even Cat 3 races. Yeah. You'd see that. Um, and, and a Fonda was called a century. God yeah. damn it, you yeah. know, and <laughs> yeah. and it was the same damn thing. It was mm-hmm. getting on your bike, riding for a, either a metric or a non-metric century, mm-hmm. and having food stops. Yep. And now people are. I, I'm going to sound like a grumpy old asshole because it's Halloween, and I don't think you should trick or treat <laughs> over the age of you know if you can drive yourself, you shouldn't be trick or treating. But um, there is no difference except people are taking Fondo so much more seriously. It's like, no, you're doing a century. It's, mm-hmm. it's just relax. It's not a bike race. I don't, I don't consider it a bike race. And I'm sure some people are angry at me for saying that. But once you time it, because the old, yeah, then the it old becomes, centuries, I guess, competitive. Yeah. 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 You know, I think locally there's like the, uh, Rotary club has, uh, a spring one, Yeah, you know, and it's not timed. And there, it, it became, for those, I never did one. I, I, did you ever do that when you were racing? Did I did the autumn century. Autumn yeah, century. with my family. Yeah. Yeah. But that was, was towards the end of the year. So yeah. You, you weren't training. You weren't. Oh, no. We that, just ran on road. Yeah. It was it, a training ride. Yeah. And it was, yeah. not only that, I mean, that I looked at those not, you know, with arrogance or, or you know, snobbery. It was, yeah. it was like, no, that's, let those, those people who enjoy riding bikes, let them ride bikes. They don't need somebody all decked out and and slamming it and running up yeah. they don't 
That's their event. That Ours was, was for tourists. Yeah, and and that's not a and that's not no. a term of I'm not I'm demeaning somebody by calling them a tourist. No, and that's what they wanted to do. Yeah, and and I look at like the spirit of gravel basically is that same mentality. It's like we just want to go out and have fun. Yeah. Oh, and and gravel then, races are pretty brutal. But they are now. Yeah, yeah but yeah, that's yeah. That, not the original, the original part concept. of it. Was like yeah. people are wearing. Suits and ties, you know, like yeah. a crit. You, yeah, I mean, not crit, excuse me. Cross. Cycle cross. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> People are going out and having just a blast. And yeah. that's that's excellent. Yeah. And they don't need a bunch of us who want to, like, smash each other into yeah. the ground and run them into the ground. That That's intimidating. So I think we need to stay clear of that. Speaking of which, did you ever do any of the bizarre design of formats of races? I remember uh, um, Australian handicaps. Never did. Which was an interesting design for those of you who don't know what that is. It was they would they would handicap your starting time, so everybody was in the same race together. Every single category, it was one race, but they would start some of the you know slowers categories earlier. You'd get a five, six, ten minute advantage, and then the pros one twos are starting thirty minutes behind everybody, and first person across the line wins. And so you're just going, you can't slow down. And I, I have been in, I remember racing three of those style of races in, in my day. And one where the pros one twos got so cocky that uh, a, a woman who started basically by herself won the race. She didn't know she won. <laughs> she just got to the finish. She's going, why hasn't anybody caught me yet? And she won it. I was on one on a, on a uh, racetrack in Portland. And it was the biggest bloodbath I've ever been in in my entire life. Because once the fields caught each other, it was this huge, gigantic group of people at all yeah, different levels of racing. Recipe for disaster. And there was a, pa- a crash in front of me that was so. Actually, at one point, the race cars came out onto the course because they thought they would they could warm up. And a couple of the race cars went into the infield and spun out because instead of killing us, <laughs> yeah, this is fucking racing in the eighties. And the the crash in the pack was so bad that I remember closing my eyes and making it through somehow. And when I opened my eyes, I looked down at my lap, and I am not exaggerating, there was a human tooth in my lap, and it wasn't mine. Mm-hmm. Somebody's tooth broke off and was in my lap. Say, I shaved yeah, that exactly. spine. Can I get that back? <laughs> yeah, just absolutely lunacy. Um, we had um, You'd go across the state to race a single-day time trial. There was one called the yeah. Hell of the East. Oh yeah, that was uh, awesome! Great, and it and over brick cobbles, yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, and it was just a one day race. This mm-hmm. is a time trial. Um, I love that race, but and there is usually a crit or something the next too. day yeah. in another town. Yeah, that was a completely separate race too. Yeah. in fact, the Port Townsend Criterium was always yep. after that, and we would always go over. We'd race the track on Fridays. Friday nights, we'd race the track. Saturday, we would do the Hell of the East. And then mm-hmm. Sunday, we'd do Port Townsend. You'd get three races in. And it wasn't a stage race. So you used every day, if you had a bad day, fuck it, there's tomorrow. Yeah. Kind of like Stupid Week. We had week. it better. Yeah, Stupid. <laughs> Super Week was a learning experience that you had to go to. It was, what, three weeks of racing. Mm-hmm. Every day was an individual race. And it was just absolute lunacy. Most of them criteriums. Mm-hmm. Most of them absolutely high speed, just out, you know. Packs of 100 plus. Yeah. I remember coming around a, a course, it, it racing one twos in, in Super Week and hearing, you know, 
$300 premium lap, $300 premium lap, and there were 99 laps to go. Uh-huh. And it, which means I'm just I'm in the red and there's still 99 yeah. laps to yeah. go. Just going, I'm not going to live, mm-hmm. you know, just beautiful racing, beautiful yeah. racing. Advances in the sport that worked. Um we can't talk about advances in the sport without and this is how old we are. The impact the internet has had upon oh, um how our sport has changed. Um, race coverage, um, race information. We, I, we talked about the fact that we learned about fit by our magazines. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had Velo News and Winning. Did you have anything other than that? No. I did get Cycle Sport for a while. Uh, I did. But that was in the 90s. Yes, that was in the 90s. 90s but yeah. in the 80s and early early 90s, it was those two. Winning was for the pictures. Yeah. Velo News for the, the reporting. Yeah. Velo News was on papers, on yeah, and it, and it was bi-monthly. Yeah. So you would, if Perry Roubaix, we would not know in the eighties. We didn't know who won Perry Roubaix until Velo News came out. Yeah, two to three weeks yeah. after the race. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that's just. Now I look back, it's like how there had to have been another source, and unless you had a, a uncle in Belgium that could you could call long yeah. distance that's about it or or somebody who sent you the 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 pinks from from Italy or yeah, something yeah. like that um the fact that we had to wait for a visual coverage of it until the producers of of CBS Sports got everything dialed in and John yeah. Tesh nailed down the soundtrack <laughs> <He> mix it <laughs> yeah and and they all had those big long gray not brown ring trench, coats on trench coats, coats. yeah <laughs> that's crazy and Phil Liggett was young well, I was thinking there was there was a period there we thought we were advancing, and that was in 1990, where there was Velo Hotline. It was a 1-900 number. <laughs> Velo Hotline. Not hot, hot. Yeah, it wasn't. Not, it was a, what are you wearing? I missed dial. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. That was three bucks right there. Yeah. Um, Coco wants to know what I'm wearing, and all yeah. I want are Flanders results. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> But it, we, we joke about it. We, we'd have, because it cost so much and we were bike racers, yeah. we had a chain of people that every weekend it was a race. We'd had, it's your turn to call. You get Flanders. You get, you know, and, and so, and it would always, welcome to Velo Hotline. Yeah. Today's race oh was hit newsblot. It was a stormy day. And I'm like, don't, I don't care about the weather. Just, Just what was one, two, three. No shit. Yeah, and they would go through, and then you'd get your results, and then then we had a chain of people. I'd call so and so, and they would call these people, and so yeah. that's it's like how a prayer chain, yeah. like the old lady. Screw yeah, Velo yeah. News. We had our own <laughs> sources. We had immediate. We had Velo Hotline. Oh my god! I don't think I knew about. The, I don't oh, think yeah. I knew when the races happened until winning or Velo News came. I mean, I, yeah. I, I, I. I I really am trying to reflect back upon the time and go, did I always know when Perry Roubaix occurred? I don't think I did. Mm-hmm. I think I just knew it until the the, the magazine came to my doorstep. Huh. And it's like, oh, it must have happened. Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't pay enough attention to it. Um, uh, you know, being able to communicate through the internet. Um, GPS, holy shit. Mm-hmm. What a game changer that was, you know. Huge. That uh, that we would rely upon these tiny little Avocet computers on our dash, that because of a magnet, two magnets on your forks and your wheel would tell you your speed, your distance, and your time. And if you got a wheel change on your front wheel, you would lose your sensor. Yeah, and, and you so wouldn't have anything. You wouldn't have anything. Yeah, and I, there's nothing to back up. Nothing recorded it. It was just no that time at that moment. 
Yeah, you had to hit the stop button and you'd know your time in a Running time trial. Time. Yeah, 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 total time. You wouldn't know average speed or anything no. like that. Um, and now being able to not only, you know, get that, but but Strava, you know, I think my driveway might even be a route or a segment <laughs> for shit's sake. You know, and, and that stuff is just unbelievable. And, and bringing power into that equation is so unbelievable because going beyond what we had for perceived effort, you would do your rides based upon how do I, you know, what do I think out of a scale of one to 10 is a seven? That's my time trial pace. Or, you know, and so I ride at a seven to 7.5 perceived effort. And I know for a fact that because of pain thresholds, two people probably had a different 7.5 perceived effort. Mm -hmm. And and we didn't have the ability to track that in terms of actual wattage. And I, I don't know. Yes. Well, I think it, it. I was, again, thinking about it again while I was sitting on the trainer. You know, we didn't have that perception. And, and going back to that... Uh, that director who was talking about how they analyze, they don't use FTP for yeah. Yumbo Visma anymore. Yeah, we're now at a completely different phase where that's yeah. going away. And he says any season rider knows about, they don't need that number to say, oh, I'm at 325. They know. They know, they what, know that, what 325 Yeah, you, you do like. it long enough that they know what it is. So we've gone back. Yeah. In and essence. I, and I, think, <clears throat> I think it's it's a good thing, but then... For me personally, I, the last computer I put on my bike was in, well, 1990. I, it was a state championship, and you probably heard this story a hundred times. It was a state championship road oh. race, massive crash. It's a brutal race. Uh, I, I was number two to go down. The guy overlapped a wheel trying to put a water bottle in. He was pissing down rain. Went down. I went over the top, and there was like 50 guys sprung up across the road, spread across the road. And <clears throat> I got up, got a wheel change. And I look, as I'm riding, I look down and I see this red Avocet. And I think, oh, that's my computer. I picked it. It was a black screen, but I spent time. I was a little concussed. <laughs> I finally figured it out. And, uh, and I put it on and I'm riding. And it's like, you know, I just couldn't afford a new one. Yeah. They were like $40. <laughs> that's a new tubular, which I needed to replace because it got sliced yeah. by the guy's chain ring that I went T-boned. So... And then all of a sudden I was thinking, you know, that for me mentally, I remember in Crits looking down, I'm like, we're doing 29, 30 miles an hour and we're only a quarter of the way in. Yeah. It, I started playing mind games. Oh, is that why you took it off your bars? No, that's why I don't, I have never put them on my bars since then because then I just start hitting this <sighs> panic button. It's like, all of a sudden it's like, what the heck? I can't sustain this. Yeah. But if you don't know that information, it's like, I just have to. This you have to do what you have to do. That's a great way to put it. But not everybody operates that way. Some yeah. people panic because they don't know where they're at. They don't see their watts yeah. or, or there's whatever. There's just a it different style. Of, like my dad, when he was a fighter pilot, he said there's two types of ride. I mean, uh, pilots. There's seat of your pants and the instrument guys. Yeah. And the guys that are do instrument are really good in some situations, and then sometimes they get bogged down and the seat of the you know fly in the seat of your pants. Those guys have the advantage. Yeah. So it's just how you operate as a human. That's a great point. I, up until, I actually, this last year, I have ridden with heart rate, obviously, for very for very obvious reasons. And, and good reasons. Well, but I've, I've started actually recently, because I'm feeling okay about things, that I've, I now don't want it on my computer screen. 
because I look down and I'll go and, oh, I'm doing whatever it might be. This is a high number. And then one of you fuckers goes fast. And I'm like, oh, I'm, I had a higher number. I obviously I can't see. go any yeah, harder. Yeah, yeah. And so I don't, I, I like it when I'm training, but I don't like it when I want to go fast. Because I, uh, if I see that number and I see, like you're saying, mm-hmm. I see a high number, I can't go any harder. Yeah. And, and shut down. Yeah. And I almost want to switch out watts in some situations because I'll look down and I'll go, wow, 500 watts. I can't hold this for very long. Well, I've heard a lot of pros will not put that in a race. Yeah. They will not look at the watts. Yeah. You almost want a simplistic screen. I would like a screen that shows me speed, time, and miles, you know, especially time when you're in a timed crit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I want to know how many minutes are left. I don't want to have to wait to go around the finish line and see the clock and, oh, shit, I forgot to see the clock. You know, how many laps do you think are left or something? How much longer do I actually have to do this? <laughs> you know those types of oops that last part wasn't supposed to um so it's 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 been just an interesting growth period is there anything you want back uh yeah and that i don't know how it's going to happen but the excitement of road cycling that where we had fields two fields of 75 of cat fours yeah. and yeah and i think thinking about that i think you know, the average guy could spend four hundred dollars on a road bike. You're not going to get and that. let's say, yeah. let's say, even with advancing with uh, inflation and everything, let's say two thousand dollars. I mean, that was yeah. a decent today's two thousand. Yeah, you, you know? could take today's two grand and buy an entry level one hundred five yeah. race bike. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And that's not happening. No, because of technology and everything. That's that's got to kill it. And I know that bike industry, I was going to read an article before we got here, but I didn't have time. But they're hurting big time. And and I, I think not 100%, but some of it is that we've made it so advanced. Yes, it is an improvement. I mean, I'll even say disc brakes. Yes, they stop better and everything. But <laughs> You heard it you know, Yeah. But are they it's necessary? Halloween miracle. Ele- uh, I mean, electronic shifting. Yes, it mm-hmm. performs. And it, and everybody tells me, oh, I'll never go back. And I understand that. I do too. But it, it those two things will not make you win or lose a race. I agree. And uh, Some and people so, will disagree, but I agree. Well, yeah. I you know, I, between a mechanical... It would be hard to convince me in a mechanical uh, shifting that you could win a race from that. No, the way the way our clusters are so close together anyway, a mechanical. Yeah, it's just like snap. I, I my uh, SRAM Red eleven speed. I don't miss a shift. It's like I don't even yeah. think about shifting. I just I just do it. It's, you know, you do it long enough. It's not like I need to shift now. That's not the process. No, it's just you just ride and click. Yeah, and I, it never miss. Yeah, and. Uh, but I think on disc brakes, maybe in the rain, without a doubt, you yeah, you could lose a race if you had carbon wheels and rim brakes. That's but people doubt, would but. hear you everywhere you are because what the sound disc brakes make in the rain. Oh uh, my god! Every race, I mean, I can't watch cross. Oh, oh yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, <laughs> sounds like people are just stepping on weasels. Yeah, um, <laughs> stepping on weasels. I I I I miss. Uh, if there's anything I would want back, it would be uh, mandatory race promotion for every club. Um, and I know that's a pain in the ass. And if you don't put on a race, you pay an unattached rider fee. I think we got to do that. I think that's mm-hmm. the only thing that's going to help us. I think people have to put on, even if they are, 
hey, we're going to put on a time trial, but you only can pedal with your left leg, and it is on a Tuesday at 11 o'clock at night. Congratulations. <laughs> you, you found a loophole, but you still had to put on a race. Uh-huh. Um, I think that's the only thing that's going to save us. I would agree on the point that it, there's a lot of skin in the game, makes yeah. people... You know, if you have to do that, then then you're serious about bike racing. Yeah. Um, just clubs. as a promoter, just clubs. Yeah, just clubs. Yeah. But as a promoter, I mean, it's just Insurance with all the things. God, so that's the yeah, thing that yeah, killed yeah. it. Yeah. More than anything else. Yeah. It's yeah. our litigious society. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is there anything you're really, really glad is gone? <laughs> um, <laughs> How much time do we have? Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, I I think it's the arrow helmets with the little shields. Yeah, those, those aren't very old. No. The mushroom heads. Yeah, yeah. They, they had all those clip-on. Jiro had their little yeah. arrow. That that was dumb. Yeah. And I hope the stupid whatever windsock specialized. Oh, there, God, there was some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It, we, and that's recent. I just want that to go away because yeah. it just doesn't make sense. Um, and I'm sure they're fast, whatever. But <laughs> here's something I want to see go away is now – as much as I love time trials, I think time trials are out of control. In terms of financial bikes, requirements? Yeah, bikes. And so Mercs, everything. you want Mercs. I wish it wasn't, but I think that's where you have to go. Yeah. And strangely enough, I don't know if you follow... Uh, got a drink? Oh. Turd to Bloom? Yeah. Thanks, Ace. Guy's keeping bike racing going in our That's state. the biggest... That's going to be huge. He's trying to draw in national teams now. Yeah, yeah. And so now there's five stages in four days. Yeah. Um, one of the things is to draw those people in on the TT. He, said he was doing Merck style. I might have to say, Full bring your TT, you know, bike. Lunacy. Yeah. But that's only for the Pro 1-2. And yeah. I'm thinking, that's fine. Yeah. But yeah. it's those smaller teams that are probably going to, you have to bring two bikes. And it just becomes, I mean, his, his logic is a team's coming and everybody brings their bike and wheels. That's enough to haul, not two bikes and more wheels. Yeah. So... Yeah, kudos to him for for really trying to put this and thinking it through. And and he does. He puts it to the people. But I I think you're looking at, and I love time trialing, but you start looking at how technical and these, you know, the bars that are made, you know, 3D printing that that are formed to each person. Yeah. And if you're off now by a little bit, you're... You lose 30 seconds. Yeah, my time trial bike that's in your... yeah, hanging right in there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that is like outdated. I mean, that's ten years old. That thing's you know, it was better than a than a regular road bikes. Putting, yeah. and that's all I'm doing. I'm the, I'm the guy who's just clamping on yeah. bars and and, and how successful have you been against people I with CT? Suck donkey balls. Yeah, you yeah, can't I'm you terrible. can't do it. Yeah. So therefore, I think it needs to go away. And it never will. Yeah, and and you start seeing these guys, especially are, with the triathlon game, where you've got a lot well, of riders that's who fine. that's their primary bike, but then they use that, you know, and they'll transfer over and they'll do a road race, and they just have a really hot, nice high end aero bike. You know, nothing against that. No. I can't believe I'm actually being nice to triathletes I'm, right now. I think triathletes. I think they should. They yeah. can go wild on that TT because that is a that is very important to their yeah. sport. But I, I think road racing, I think we lost. I mean, you think the origin of time trial was just what you had. Yeah. And then it you started, the, the 80s started yeah. going crazy. Yeah. And then it just went just apeshit crazy. It's not the race of truth anymore. It's no. the race of financial uh, Yeah, exactly. Truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it's not it's not fun to watch. And, and, and it's getting to a dangerous where, um, what's his name from EF? Uh, 
The Swiss, oh God! Put Bissinger. Bissinger. Yeah, yeah. He he has his head down, and he has to have his coach saying two hundred meters before the right hand corner, yeah. so he can look up. I mean, all these. If you look at these guys' position, they're yeah. barely even seen. Yeah. And how many like uh, what happened to um, the Swiss rider at? Uh, oh, yeah, Stefan Kuhn. Yeah, Stefan yeah. Kuhn. Oh my God! I mean, yeah. head down. I mean, yeah. everybody's like, jeez. Yeah. And. That's what what uh, Ingel Bernal crashed yeah. on training on that, and then yeah. Froome and yeah, it's got to. Oh my stop. God, they all did happen yeah. on TT bikes. Yeah. It's got to stop. It's, I think it's out point. of control. That's a great point. Um, are we better off? What was the best decade of bike racing in your career? I loved the eighties. I did too. It 80, was late eighties, <laughs> mid mid like eighty four to ninety four. Yeah. Yeah, before we found out the drugs were really happening. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I agree. Into the '94. Yeah, I mean, there was that was a great Peru Bay. Um, and we even approached the the onset of mountain biking in those years too, which mm-hmm. was a pretty cool year. I yeah, know, it was a really cool time. Yep. Yeah, and people are going to look at gravel right now and say that was a pretty cool time. Yeah, I, I think. agree. So, well. There, two men waxing sentimental. Final, yeah. final K, final question, Paul. What was the the best scary movie you've ever seen? You can't say Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. I can't say Chitty Chitty Bang. No, bang. because you said that already on an earlier show. Because <laughs> it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> scariest movie. I don't know. It was movies, but uh, my high school because it's Halloween. You know, yeah. Have to do that. My high school girlfriend <laughs> liked those type of things. I did not like. Or films, but or scary films, yeah. and what was it? Night Stalker. It was a series. Oh, Kolchak, the yeah. Night Stalker. <laughs> yeah, ah. yeah, yeah. And I could get into those because they're just goofy enough. Yeah, you know, were they pretty campy? Yeah, yeah. pretty much. You know, yeah, you, you, you went by the Bible uh, of you know, in order to stop a zombie, you had to do cut. A I can't remember, but sew, sew up yeah, his lips. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but you know that, that that was good. But not, I don't know if it's the scariest. I. You know, mine. Uh, I gotta go. I gotta go. It's it's a little more recent, but it was it's this sci-fi movie called Event Horizon. It was a it was a spaceship space movie, and it was you know they had a, a ship that could that could teleport through time, kind mm-hmm. of a thing like that, and it accidentally went to hell. Oof. Yeah, like mm-hmm. literal hell. And then they the movie starts where they find the ship, and the ship has not only gone to hell, but the ship is technically alive. It's freaky, man. It's one of those <laughs> messed me up, man. It messed me up in so many ways, and I probably will watch it tonight. It is oh. Halloween. Actually, my wife says she wants to watch a scary movie, and for her, it's like, you know, opening five minutes of The Exorcist, and we're both like, oh, I'm tired. Let's go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So there we go. Uh, two old guys sitting in a bar talking about how the things used to be and how they were better back in the day, but... That's our episode for this week. Be sure and subscribe to the podcast and our YouTube channel, everybody. I got to say that because it really helps us and it's just a quick click for you and it helps us amazingly, especially with our sponsors. So we promise not to stalk you. Paul, thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you, man. This is fun. uh, I guess we'll just catch everybody next week. Yeah. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.